don't know how to do this. Okay. All right. Let's pray, and then we'll just jump into this teaching, and then we'll just, when we're done with that, we'll just hang out. So, Daddy God, we thank you so much for um, this time that we have here together as family. Um, thank you so much for meeting us here tonight in worship. Um, it was, it's just always so good to come into your presence and to, to lift you up to your, your rightful place of glory uh, in our hearts and in our minds, Daddy, because that's, that's just where you belong. Um, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus for Ronnie and Kate and this baby that is on the way. Um, contractions have started. So, Dad, I just pray that you be all up in the midst of that birthing process, that everything would go smoothly, quickly, and exactly as you desire and plan it to go, and that that baby would come into this world happy and healthy, and that Mom and Dad would be happy and healthy, mm-hmm. um, and that that family can be one one member bigger that's that's so cool um and so uh as we go into tonight with with that on our minds uh you know we're sad that the websters can't be here but we're just so happy that this is this is coming to fruition in their lives so um i just pray that as we jump into this teaching tonight father that you would give uh give the words to say um that they would be from you and that people would be ready and willing to to listen and to take them to heart so that uh, we can just grow and mature in the knowledge of you. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. We give you all the honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so um, tonight I really wanted to teach on having an eternal perspective. Um, That's kind of the name of this teaching, eternal perspective. And it really is... um, kind of a, a teaching that piggybacks really well off of um, the faith teaching that I did, I don't know, like last month sometime. I've just been, everything's just been flowing one after the other uh, in, in the kind of stuff that, that God's teaching me. So it just makes it just makes sense that this, this flows right right off of that. So I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. So uh, with that in mind, we're actually going to look at one of the same main scriptures that we did in that teaching, um, in Hebrews 11. That's where we're going to start. So we're going to be reading the first 16 verses of that chapter just to jump into things. And uh, I think I think I'll hold off on giving you like a description of what I think having eternal perspective is all about until after we jump into the scripture. So it, it's all going to make sense, like. The Bible explains it far better than I can. So let's just go there. Um, So does somebody want to read for me um, the first 16 verses of Hebrews 11? This is the Hall of Faith chapter. Mm -hmm. I knew it. I want to do it. No, Ryan. (laughs) I'll I'll get you the next next chunk of scripture you can do. Hebrews 11. 1 through 16. Now faith is a sudden... Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away, so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
By faith, Noah, being divinely born of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength and conceived seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as he, were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Thank you, Cameron. You're cool. So I hope you guys remember this section of Scripture, those of you that were here. This is what people affectionately refer to as the Hall of Faith chapter because it's kind of like a Hall of Fame, but it's all about faith. And uh, it's just it's all about these Old Testament uh, Bible figures that operated from a state of faith that's that's what it's all about and so i really want to highlight to you guys um the last four verses verses 13 through 16 um because well let's just let's just kind of read them again one by one these all died in faith so it's talking about abel and enoch and noah and abraham and sarah these all died in faith not having received the promises so god made some promises to them um, and they were counting on those promises to come true, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. They were counting on them. They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Um, and skip down to, to verse 16. But now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Um, guys, I, I just want to suggest to you, we can't effectively live by faith the way that these people lived by faith unless we have a perspective that is geared towards eternity. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, having an eternal perspective on life. Every one, of us, every one of us is here today because we have an eternal perspective. You would not be sitting in this place right now unless you had an eternal perspective because... If eternity doesn't exist, what we're doing right now is completely pointless, right? Yeah. It's completely pointless. We are here today because we firmly believe that there is, there is life beyond this world. Yeah. There is life that goes on into eternity. And if that's the case, um, then I really, really feel like that should play a huge role in how we decide to live our lives, yeah. if that is true. Yeah. If that is true. Um, so... Living by faith, the way that these people lived, means living for an eternal future that is beyond this world. Um, so I just kind of wanted to recap what I called in this Latin, the last teaching that I did, the steps to faith. Um, some of you guys might remember them. There's four steps that I've laid out to 
um, what I think God has shown shown us what what faith is based on Scripture. So I just want to recap those, and we're going to kind of use them as as a building block, um, as a foundation to move forward in talking about uh, having an eternal perspective and and walking in that. So the first step of of having faith and living in faith is to know and understand who God is and what He has said. That's the first step to having faith. You got to have something to have faith in. You're having faith in God and His promises. Uh, the second step to having faith is to believe and trust in His character and that what He has said is true and will come to pass. Okay? If, if, uh, if we're putting our faith in God, then putting our faith in Him means believing and trusting that, hey, what He says is, is going to happen. Amen. It's going to happen. All right? The, the third step is to, based on that, based on our, our understanding that what God says is true and will happen, we adjust our worldview, we adjust our thoughts, we adjust our plans, and we adjust our actions to match our belief and trust in God. Okay? And then the fourth, the fourth step to having faith is to expect God to respond in accordance to what He has said. That's how you live in faith. Right there. I mean, there, there are probably, you know, other, other descriptions of, of it that are equally as good or probably probably far better, but this makes sense to me, and it, it, seems, it seems helpful. So um, living by faith is all about knowing God, knowing that what He says is true and will come to pass, Amen. and adjusting the way you live to meet that belief, Amen. and expecting that me adjusting my actions, my thoughts, my worldview to that, that I will be rewarded for it in the end. Amen. Because what he said is going to come to pass. Amen. That's how you live by faith. So um, in light of all of that, what we end up grappling with is the fact that so much of what God has said and what he has promised and what he has said will come to pass is future. It's beyond this. It's beyond what we are experiencing right now in everyday life. Um, so, listening to some, some teachings the other day, and I hope I get these numbers right. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure this is accurate. Um, for every prophecy in the Old Testament that there was for Jesus' first coming, there's six for his second coming. So there's like 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that deal with Jesus' first coming as the Messiah. There's 1,800 detailing his second coming as a king, as a ruler. Guys, our salvation is so important and it's, it's, so, it's so pivotal to, to where we go in eternity, but it's just the first step. There is so much that we have to do. There is so much that we have to expect beyond that. If you, you, you can just walk in the door by, you know, grabbing your salvation, but then never get to take the tour of the whole house. That's what it's like. That's what it's like to not look beyond what my salvation is today for me now. It's all about what we are moving and pushing towards in the future. In eternity, you guys understand like the gravity of eternity. I don't think anybody, anybody can truly wrap their mind around the concept of eternity being legitimately outside the realm of time altogether. So we just literally, our spirits live on forever. That's crazy. That's crazy. And so 
you know, in the grand scheme of things, the time that we spend on this earth is such a tiny speck. We should be living for the big piece, not the tiny piece. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. So, um, so let's talk about some of God's promises for the future. Um, what we are living for. So let's go back to Hebrews 11, or just look at it again. Can you give me some water? That would be great. Thank you. Um, back to Hebrews 11. Each one of these faithful individuals, so you had Abel, you had Enoch, you had Noah, you had Abraham, you had uh, his wife Sarah. Um, each one of these individuals was acting upon their belief. So they were acting in faith. They were acting upon their belief in a specific promise from God. For Abraham, it was a promise that he would be the father of many nations. For Sarah, it was the promise that she would have a child in her old age. Um, and one of my favorite, one of my favorite verses in this passage is uh, verse 12 about Abraham having a son. Uh, in verse 12 it says, Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. You know that's, you know the saying, guys? Abraham birthed a son and he may as well have been a dead man that conceived that baby because he was so dang old. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it's that's what it's saying. Um, so it's like it's like Abraham believed God in spite of all of the all of the naturalistic facts that said that this thing wasn't possible. Amen. This thing was not possible. Amen. So I just I just love that. But um, so they each one of these individuals operated out of an eternal perspective. Because what does it say? It says they saw the promises afar off. They saw them future. Abraham knew that he was never going to live to see, uh, at least in terms of his life on this earth, he was never going to live to see the nation that would be birthed out of his, out of his seed. He knew he would never see that on this earth. But he expected the promise to be fulfilled in eternity. And when we get to eternity... We get to see Father Abraham, and he's going to have that amazing, wonderful experience in the life that is beyond this one, being reconciled to all of his kids that were, that were birthed out of his seed, Isaac. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. But he had an eternal perspective. If he didn't expect that to come true in the life beyond this one, he would have had no reason to, to live and be obedient the way that he did. Amen. Okay, so... Um, so let's, let's look at, let's look at verse 16. Actually not verse 16. Uh, verse 13, the end of that says, like I just said, but having seen these promises afar off, were assured of them. They embraced them and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So I'm going to get to that here in a second. But go down to verse 16. It says, But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Guys, what is their reward for living in faith? God's prepared a place for them in eternity. Guys, all of, all of us are, are seeking a place of belonging. All of us need, have an intrinsic desire to belong somewhere. And by living out of a perspective that is geared towards the eternal, that is geared towards 
the life that's beyond what we experience here in this world, what we're saying is, I don't belong here. I belong there in the future. My belonging is that city that God has prepared. So we're going we're gonna to get into that a little bit more um, coming up. But somebody turn for me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. There. Ryan, yeah. please read for me the first three verses of John chapter 14. Oh, you said we were there. Okay, I'm not there. Okay, so I clicked the button. <laughs> Go ahead, take it. <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you myself. Receive you to myself, that where I am, that you may be also. Cool. So, we're talking about, in Hebrews, what they were living for. They were living for eternity. They were living for the promises being fulfilled, yet future, in a life beyond uh, what they would experience here in this earth. Well, guys, what are we living for? We're living for that promise in that verse right there. That Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And that, can you read that one specific verse again? That he would receive receive him, receive him, us to himself? What and if say? I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Yep. That where I am, there you may also be. Yep. Yep. Guys, the amazing thing is that um, the reward that Abraham and Sarah and Noah all had for their faith, the reward that they got for their faith is the same reward that we are living for now. The same reward. Because what, what did it say in Hebrews eleven sixteen? God has prepared a city for them. Amen. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. He's up there doing it right now. He's preparing a place for us in, in the many mansions that are in his father's house. That is what we are living for. Okay? They understood that. Abraham understood that. Um... Noah understood that. In, in Hebrews 11, verse 10, it says, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's the place I want to live. Amen. You know, it's, it's wonderful to have, have a great house to live in like this, but like, that's the true place of belonging for us, is that city that, that Jesus is up there preparing for us right now. Um, so... Uh, and we'll be able to live there with him forever. That's the eternal perspective. That place of belonging is forever. Amen. It's not just temporary like, like where we are now. Um, so uh, this is what we're living for. Above anything else, this promise most fully encompasses our hope for eternity, having a place of belonging with God forever. I mean, we, we, there are so many, there are so many, guys, there are so many promises that God's made about um, our eternity with him. We, we can talk about like the crowns of rewards that, you know, are going to be given out to the faithful. We can talk about um, our, our role in the heavenly places and, and talk about the 24 elders in Revelation and the place that the church plays in, in the grand scheme of, 
of heaven and all, all of that stuff, all of that stuff. But this, this piece right here in, in John chapter 14 really encompasses it all. It's that we have a place of belonging with Jesus forever. And that we get to have fellowship with him forever. That's what we're living for. Right there. That encompasses all of it. All of it. So I really love that. I really love that. So I want to go back to this, uh, <clears throat> this idea of being strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Um, in verse 13 of Hebrews 11, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises. They didn't receive the promises they were hoping for in this life. But having seen them afar off, were assured of them. They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So, <clears throat> let's see, where am I in my notes? To confess that we are strangers and pilgrims on the earth is to acknowledge that we don't belong here. Our place of true belonging has yet to be realized. But it is as certain as any other promise of God. It's a certain thing. It's a sure thing. It's a sure thing. Okay? So if we understand this, if we understand that our eternity with Christ is sure, that we have a place of belonging with Him forever into eternity, guys, this has to affect the way in which we choose to live our lives now. It has to. Amen. If you believe that's true, it's going to change the way that you choose to live. Amen. Okay, so um, we will live by faith for God's promised future, or we will live according to what we can currently sense and experience in the here and now. Those are your two options. Those are your two options. You can either live uh, with your priorities being oriented toward what you can sense and experience here every day, or you can live with your priorities oriented towards what you know is coming for sure yeah. for the rest of eternity. And those two ways of living are mutually exclusive. They don't look the same. You can't live the same and have, this, have those, uh, um, those two different, completely diametrically opposed focuses. Um, so one of, one of the things that... I quoted last time I talked about faith, and I still love this so much. Is um, I've been listening, the guys at Brobel know, I've been listening to this guy, John Lennox. <clears throat> He's a really great Bible scholar and stuff, and he does a lot of talks and debates and stuff. It's very interesting to listen to. Um, but one of the things he said, talking about heaven, he just imagines getting, getting to heaven and finally seeing it, uh, being up there with his wife, and his wife's name is Sally, and he just says, I just imagine being and seeing heaven for the first time and putting my arm around my wife Sally and saying, if I had known that it would be like this, I would have invested more. I would have invested more. That's good. That's so good. That encompasses the, the entire concept of eternal perspective right there. It's like, what are we investing in? Are we, are we putting our time and effort and money towards things that satisfy us now? Or are we investing in that great and unbelievably spectacular future that God has for us for all eternity? Two completely different ideas. Jesus talked about in Matthew 6, about laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. But where your heart is, for the way you desire, they your heart will be also. If you yep. desire that heavenly country, then that's where every decision will be driven towards. Exactly. So exactly. That's the eternal perspective right there. 
that's it right there. So uh, what I want to do kind of for the rest of the time is to look at some biblical examples of how having an eternal perspective can influence the way we choose to live. So that's what I, that's what I want to do for the rest of the time. And I just picked four because uh, they were the first four that the Holy Spirit brought to my mind. Uh, there are probably countless. I didn't didn't go through the entire Bible to search them out because there are undoubtedly limitless. But there's I've got four really good examples of um, Scripture that details how having an eternal perspective, how focusing on eternity rather than the here and now influences what we choose, the way we choose to live. So um, let's first turn to uh, an Old Testament example in Psalm 17. So this is this is King David. Psalm 17. So I just want to give some quick context here. This is, as you'll see in, in verse 1, it says it's a prayer of David. So this is just David himself talking to God. And uh, we're going to be we're going to start reading in verse six, but the beginning is just him saying that you know, God, I'm I'm choosing to live obediently. That's I'm I'm choosing to live obediently. I'm choosing to trust in you and follow after you. You know what? Why don't we just read the whole? Why don't we just read the whole thing? That's just better. That's just better. Can't go wrong. Get more more yeah. Me me talk less. Bible talk more. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So, in the theme of me talking less, does somebody want to read this? Emma wants to read it, or you read it. Emma, read it. Emma, please go to verse. Well, read the whole chapter. Yep. Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have proposed, purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men... By the words of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the, the destroyer. Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O oh God. Incline your ear to me, and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. O oh, you who save those who trust in you, for those who rise up against, against them, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who oppose me, from your deadly, from my deadly enemies who surround me. They have closed up their fat, their fat hearts. Fat hearts. Yes. With their mouths they speak proudly. They have now surrounded us in your steps. They, they have set their eyes crouching down to the earth as a lion is eager to tear his prey and like a young lion lurking in the secret place. Arise, O Lord. Comfort, confront, and confront him. Cast him down. 
Deliver my life from the wicked with, with your sword. For your hand from with your hand from men, O Lord, from men of the world who have their portion in this life and whose belly you will fill with your hidden treasure. They are satisfied with children and leave the rest of their possessions for their, for their babes. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Thank you, Emma. <clears throat> so I just wanted to read the whole chapter so you just you guys can just get the flavor of what David is talking about. He's talking about um, kind of being surrounded by his enemies, but in spite of that, choosing to trust in God. That's what it's all about. But the main the main point of this comes from the last two verses. The last two verses says, With your hand from men, O Lord, is basically asking God to deliver him with his hand, um, from men of the world who have their portion in this life. So the enemies that are encircling around David and hunting him down like a young lion, they have their portion in this life. They're focused on what's going on here and now. They don't have an eternal perspective. Their focus is all about what they can achieve and what they can, what they can do now. And it says, whose belly you fill with your hidden treasure. And I didn't know what that meant at first, but you just got to read the next sentence. They are satisfied with children. So God gives them children. That's what that means. Um, and leaves the rest of their possession for their babes. And so basically the best thing they got going for them is they have, they have children. And whatever they accumulate in this life, they leave to their kids. And that's about all they get. But what David says is in complete contrast to that. He says, but as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awaken your likeness. David's looking to the future. David's looking towards eternity. And it is in direct contradiction to uh, what his enemies are looking towards. So um, David chooses to trust God alone with his life and safety and to live obediently uh, because he knows the cares of this world don't get him to where he is going. Okay, so that's, that's, a, that's an important point, guys. If we have an eternal perspective, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. It doesn't matter if we have enemies encircling around us, wanting to hunt us down like a lion. Like, we choose to trust in God and trust in Him alone because we know that the future that He has for us is the thing in which we will be satisfied. It doesn't matter what goes on in this life. We will be satisfied, as David says, when... <coughs> we awake in his likeness that means when when we get to heaven and we have our new heavenly bodies and we we now look like christ so david had an eternal perspective which is awesome all right let's go to the next one um this is a new testament example from mark chapter 10 and ryan already quoted the same verse from matthew the store up your treasure in heaven thing but we're going to read we're going to read this the same thing in, in uh, the book of Mark, chapter 10. So, Caitlin, you want to read, don't you? Sure. Yes. Uh, could you read for me verses 17 through 25? This is Jesus talking to the rich man. You guys all know this story. Amen. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? 
No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all of these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Thanks, Caitlin. Yeah, so you guys have all heard this story. The rich man comes to Jesus and he's asked, he asks, Teacher, how can I inherit eternal life? Well, eternal life, he's looking for something in the future. He, he's looking for something that requires an eternal perspective. Eternal life. That's what he wants to inherit. Um, and Jesus tells him in, in verse 21 that uh, he says, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have to give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. So what, what does Jesus say? You do this one thing, not only will you have eternal life, but you'll have heavenly treasures too. Amen. You don't get just what you're asking, you get more on top of it, which is awesome. Um, but the next verse is really sad. It says, but the man was sad at this word and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Um, so the man walks away. What's up, Ryan? No, you finish. Okay. The man, the man walks away because his value system, the value system that, that he lived by prioritized the here and the now over the eternal. If he really, if he really was interested in achieving and uh, inheriting eternal life, he was going to have to change his value system to one that valued the eternal over the here and now, the eternal over the temporal. But he wasn't willing to do it. He wasn't willing to do it. And uh, Jesus says in uh, verse twenty-four, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? Guys, uh, I'm not at, the Bible is not asking you to, to sell all of your personal possessions and give to the poor. What was Jesus' point? Is that this man trusted in riches. Mm-hmm. Whatever you trust in and put your faith in over and above God, that is something that we have to give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're going to inherit the things that he has for us eternally. Yeah. Because he has to be number one. Having an eternal perspective is all about having God first. We can't have any idols and have an eternal perspective. Because in the grand scheme of eternity, God's number one in everything. Amen. <laughs> in everything. He created the whole show. He's number one in everything. Um, so that's, I think that's a, that's a really, really good example of, you know, what it means to have an eternal perspective. If you want to achieve eternal goals like eternal life building up treasure in heaven finding your place of belonging in eternity with christ being reconciled to him forever we can't have our value system prioritize what we experience 
here and now. It just can't work that way. So let's jump to the next one. So here's an example that is the complete opposite of the rich man, <laughs> which is a good one. This, is, this comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. I think I'll read this one. Um, so, just to give you guys a little background on this one, this is, this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth, specifically about uh, false teachers and false ministers that they have accepted foolishly. Okay, they've just, hey, you guys are talking about Jesus. Yeah, whatever you say is good. That's pretty much what, what happened. <laughs> um, so this is, this is Paul kind of admonishing them, uh, don't do that. <laughs> so we're going to start in verse 23, uh, and he's talking specifically about, about those false teachers. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, Amen. in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. He's in perils and everywhere he goes, man. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Um, guys, nobody in their right mind endures all of those things that Paul endured um, if their value system is one that prioritizes their life experience here and now. <laughs> that just doesn't happen. You'd have to be an insane man. Paul was not an insane man. The reason that he endured all of those things was why. Verse 28, he says, My deep concern for all the churches. Paul had such an eternal perspective. His eternal perspective wasn't just for him. It was for all of the people under his apostleship, all of the churches that he planted and started and helped build up. He had an eternal perspective for everyone that he came in contact with to the point that he endured all of that stuff. He was stoned. Uh, the one thing, the one that's interesting to me, he says, uh, in deaths often. Guys, he saw probably probably saw a lot of people die for the gospel. Um, there are there's the one passage where Paul gets stoned and uh, essentially essentially you can kind of extrapolate from the story that Paul may or may not have been like raised from the dead, um, which is pretty cool. I'll have to find the reference to that, but we can we can talk about that later, which is awesome. Um, but you don't go through all of that stuff if you value your, your life comfort and your experience here and now. He was focused on that place of heavenly belonging for him and all of his spiritual children, essentially. That's what his, his value system was centered around. So, guys, if, 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 our value, if our value system is one that has an eternal perspective, 
<laughs> we're not going to live like other people. Amen. You're just not. Yeah. We're going to do some things that other people think are insane, like yeah. being shipwrecked three times and, you know, being stoned multiple times. And, you know, that hasn't happened to any of us, which, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. But, like, if it comes to that, are we willing to? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. All right, let's, let's go to the last example. Um, this is... This one is Jesus himself, which I really, really think is a, is a great place to kind of end on the examples. This is in Hebrews 12. So just flip back to Hebrews 11 and go one chapter over. Who wants to read for me? Sure. Sweet Cam, please read the first four verses for me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Yep, thank you, Cam. So, this is Jesus. Guys, Jesus was the best example of having an eternal perspective. Um, and we are supposed to look to him as our example, which is what it says, essentially, uh, at the beginning of verse 2. But verse 2 also says that uh, this is the main point right here who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why does it say he endured the cross? The joy that was set before him. Yeah. Jesus had an eternal perspective. Yeah. What was the joy that was set before him? That we would be reconciled to him because of his sacrifice. Amen. That was his greatest joy. He died for it. He was willing to give up his life for that. That's the ultimate eternal perspective. The, the cares of, of this world were completely and utterly unimportant. Unimportant. Yeah. He, went, he went to die. Um, and I, I also find um, another thing interesting. It says in, in verse 4, You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. That's what Jesus did. Jesus resisted sin to the point of, of blood. Amen. Um, yeah. Jesus resisted sin to the point of blood, to the point of, of death. Um, he, suffered, he suffered all of that and never once sinned because of his eternal perspective. Because he was focused on his, his plan, his goal, the, the task that was set before him to redeem all of humanity to himself and Father God. It was only possible if he was focused on the promises of, well, the promises of, of the divine plan of retribution that, you know, I'm going to get my bride back. Father God's going to get his kids back. That's what I'm doing this for. Right, what's going on right now doesn't matter. Yeah. It's all about what's happening on the grand scheme of eternity. That's the way we're supposed to be. That's the way we're supposed to be. So, um, in verse 3 it says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, 
lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Guys, let's let's remember this right here so that when life gets tough, we don't get weary and discouraged. We don't belong here anyway. This is not our home. We are pilgrims and strangers. We're aliens here. We don't belong here. Okay, we are citizens of heaven. That's our true home. That's, that's our true place of belonging. All this stuff, all this stuff that, that we see and experience and come into contact with on a daily basis, it's not even real Amen. in comparison to what we're, ex- we're, we're going to experience in terms of eternity. Um, we can have some really interesting talks about how all of this is not real, but that, that, could, be, that, could, be, that could be a fun topic of conversation, but, but we're not going to go there right now. Um, <laughs> but whether, whether or not what we're experiencing right now is real or not, I can tell you one thing for sure. What we're going to experience on the other side is infinitely more real than what we're experiencing now. And it's forever. And it's forever. So, um, guys, just like Jesus did, we have a greater joy set before us. Because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We have a greater joy set before us in being reconciled to him forever having a place of belonging for him with him that is that is our greater joy that we live for yep. that's so good so I'm gonna finish this thing off um, so I just got this little thing I just wrote this down by faith so faith is essentially living with an eternal perspective yeah. by faith we can resist temptation endure hardship and maintain our joy even to the point of death if we would but but just hold on to that eternal perspective. So I wanted to read something to you guys to end this because we're essentially done. But uh, I actually read this two weeks ago for those of you that were here for the teaching on humility. But um, this is something that I found um, and I just, I love it so much. This is um, kind of a, I don't even know what to call it. A manifesto of sorts of a declaration, a declaration yeah, a declaration of, of a young man um, from Rwanda, Africa. Um, he went away to school in 1980 and came back to his tribe, a Christian, a new believer. And basically what happened was they required him to renounce his faith or be killed, and he refused. And so they, they martyred him. They martyred him for Christ, for his faith. And after he was, after he was killed for his faith, some missionaries went into uh, his house and in his room and in his papers, they found this declaration. And I'm going to read it to you. So it says, <clears throat> I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. Man. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. 
I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way rough, my companions few, but my guide reliable and my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes. Give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problems recognizing me. My banner will be clear. That's so unbelievable. Guys, that right there, this guy had the biggest eternal perspective. This guy... This guy lived for eternity. He did not live for here and now. He died for it. He died for what he believed. So, I printed this out. I read it often. (laughs) I read it often. And I pretty much cry every time. (laughs) It's just amazing. So, I would just encourage you guys to just think about what your value system is oriented around. Think about where your perspective is at on a day-to-day basis and um, the things that you focus on in day-to-day life. If it's just the little minuscule ups and downs of your job and the hassles that we run into of everyday life and difficult people and all of this stuff and it, it causes us to, you know, to get all up in all up in our feelings and to get down on ourselves and get feeling rejected and and all kinds of depressed and self-pity and stuff guys just just remember none of this makes any difference whatsoever Amen. it's all about where we're going Amen. it's all about eternity this here and now stuff it's it's just a blip on the radar man so, in the kindest way I can say it, just, like, don't sweat it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> don't sweat it anymore. So, live for what's really real. Yeah. Live for what God has promised. Yeah. Because His promises, what he, what he has said is going to come to pass, is more real than what's happening right now. Yeah. That's just yeah. the truth. That's just how it is. Yeah. That's just how it is. So... I love you guys. Please take this with you. Think about it. Allow it to hit your heart and 
change your life in whatever way is necessary so that you can be living with an eternal perspective. So that's it. Thank you.